Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply them. Either. Live from the street. <laughs> the reason I'm laughing is I was about to say the gleaming Streamline Studios. I was that Burl Bearer, by the way. That's Howard Lapidus, Magic Man Allen's producer. Mark C.G. Boyer, our fact checker. All right, so what's the reason for the massive screw-up right off the top? Because when I was in Florida recently with Pavle Stenomirovic and some really interesting guys from the Ukraine. Let's call him Punch for <laughs> Let's sure. Let's call him Punch. Yeah. I met, he was talking about what a great show this is. Uh -huh. And he said he'd love to see the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios. Hey, Punch, I, I, honestly, <laughs> I honestly believe you should... Go down, grab an airplane. <laughs> yeah. Fly it around any way you want, but then head it to Los Angeles and come here and do next week's show live from the uh, beautiful, <laughs> gleaming, streamlined, <laughs> gleaming, <laughs> what do you call it, bro? Studios. Oh, yeah. Somewhere. I had to explain to him that the yeah. gleaming, state-of-the-art, streamlined studios in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area it was really kind of... Uh, well, it's kind of bunkerish. <laughs> it's a bunker, well, yeah. Well, no, I it's like, in Magic I, Matt I, Allen's replica of 1896. Uh, 1876. That was a good Virginia year. City Virginia City Style Bar uh, located How in our secret bunker. And in the life of your career. After this portion of the show, hey. take, take my name off of this, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take his name off. Yeah. Okay. Please. Some well-known has-been produces this in show. Fact, in, fact, in fact, start to bring mine down. Should I bring yours down too? Yeah. Can we turn it? Can we turn Mark Boyer's mic off? God, not now we're talking. <laughs> it's like it's like a clustered F. It's like it's like. Oh, a, a, a you want to start all over again? It's like a bunch of idiots masturbating each other. That's and, exactly and you're, what and it you're is. the of only. Oh, what else would idiots do? And you're the only guys that think it's entertaining. Oh, you want to start all over? I hate that kind it's, of radio. It's painful. Start all over again. It is painful. I'm not. No. You gonna start again? We're live, so you can start again. Listen, Burl Bear. <laughs> yes. You know that I love you. I know you love me. And if, if that is your request, I will do that. Do, would you like to have a vote? Can we vote? Okay, we're going to do that. Okay. Start again. All right. This will be fun. Probably, probably not. No. <laughs> probably won't be fun. I have a feeling it's going to be another waste of four minutes. <laughs> no, well, no, no, no. We're just sucking up time like true professionals. Okay, so quiet on the set. Okay, quiet. Okay. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hold on. That's that's you over there, bro. That. That's I, me. Yeah. Don't touch the cord. I won't touch my cord. Ever again. <laughs> nice, Mark. Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. There's the funniest thing. This is, this is strictly... No, no. No, Let me explain this to no, the you audience. Weren't on. I have to explain this to the audience. The funniest thing is we Matt turns this whole thing around. We're going to start it all over again. I knew this was going to happen. It starts and Burl's mic was off. Oh, yeah. Sensational. We get to go for the it's still off. It's fantastic. And he's babbling over there. Like I'm babbling. All right, here we go. All right. Here we go. <laughs> yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of OutlawRadioLive.com, nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area, this is, this is true crime uncensored. What the hell was that? Is that Mark clearing his throat? We're not going to go for redo number four on a live show. Our guest today is a man who thankfully knows how to praise, but I've got to praise way out of doing a show. He's up in Oregon now working for the Lord, but he was working for Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, taking time out of their busy schedule of harassing sparses to follow some real crimes 
because I lived there and I know. OJ, the juice is loose. <laughs> kind hey. of. Andy. Andy. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. so, so what do you think of it so far? <laughs> Andy, aren't you proud you're here? Andy Caldwell. So far, it's been interesting. Yeah, We're nuts. It's, it's, it's like no other show you've ever done. <laughs> and never will. And never will. And oh, then you'll go, and funny. then when you get to the other shows, you'll go, why aren't they like that one? Yeah. I had way too much fun. So, so there you are. So, so uh, OJ killed uh, Nicole and uh, Ron. No, no, no. This is a different oh. case. Oh, it's a different case? Yeah, yeah. This is the one about Vegas. Oh. Yeah, like, you know, uh, so OJ you can't steal my shit and OJ sell it. OJ walked in and said, oh, that's all my stuff. I'm I'm innocent. <laughs> is that is that how that worked? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what he tried to do. No. Yeah. But he wasn't innocent, right? No, 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 no. In fact, it, I think you end up being just like any other person. Most people think he's in prison for murder for some reason, even though uh, he got acquitted. But, uh yeah, robbery. It was really simple. They try to make it more complex than what it was, but it, you go in with a gun, you take stuff from people that's not yours, you go to prison for robbery. What about if you go into hey, with hey, a gun uh, and you hey, take hey, stuff that is yours? A Andy, can I go to the... <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> Somebody should. Yeah. Um, what, do you, what do you think of this guy? What's, what's your roving opinion? You, you had to work with him somehow. Or work against yeah, him. Yeah, you know... I um, well, I think the judge summed it up the best. He just—he's extremely arrogant. He believes his own line. So, um, you know, there's there's not much to think of the man. Huh. Well, he was a good football player. Uh, I loved his uh, comment to the Times after the in excuse me the incident. You know, Move I'm close to the microphone, please, How Mark. am I going to get away with a robbery? I thought that was fascinating. <laughs> I had no idea what well, you Mark know, said. Yeah, I'm not sure either. But I said he, uh, he, he had did an interview with, with uh, the LA Times, where uh, he where he was asked about the robbery and the allegations, and he said, "I'm O.J. Simpson. How am I going to get away with a robbery?" <laughs> oh, you're not. <laughs> that just cracked me up. Uh, so, so Andy Caldwell, uh, take us through the process. Uh, he can't the, tell us about the investigation. No, well, there's things he, he can dance around, and he and he does in his book. And we'll talk about your book. Don't worry about it. The, the, it will sell, okay. We will sell the book. So tell your publishers not to worry. Uh, we will sell the book, damn it, because we like it. Um, but for the sake of the radio, have you have you read it? Oh, he never reads anything. I Andy. do not read any of the books. Uh, oh, okay, all right. No, hang on, hang on, until uh, after the show, and at that point, I determine whether I buy the book or not, and I buy it. So, uh, no, I, I don't want a free one. I would love a free one, but I don't... I've got a free one for you. you know. I don't accept... Uh, well, then I'll take it. But I don't, I don't normally accept free stuff. But but take us, for, take us through the process from the time you got the first phone call. You mean from actually the call of the robbery? Yeah. You well, know, I mean, you're sitting around minding your own business, and all of a sudden this drops on your lap. How'd that happen? So I guess I'll start off by just saying that um, I was a robbery detective in the uh, Las Vegas Metropolitan Police Department. And so you have areas of town that are divided up for areas of responsibility, and if a robbery happens in certain parts of town, um, then you just get assigned the call. So any call comes out, it just gets routed to the right detective who handles that type of call in that part of town. And I just end up being the guy. So someone else could have caught that case. Yeah, somebody else could have caught the case. Uh, they, at that night, there was um, there were seven of us working, so it could have been any any one of us seven. So the phone rings and it's uh, it's Bingo Boys. Well, and I so call you I call, I call you Bingo Boy with with great love, respect, and affection. Oh, for sure. No, <laughs> it's kind of the jackpot, right? right. So what ended up happening is we have pagers back then. Uh, so the pager would go off and it would tell you where the crime happened and what part of town. So there you have it. Do they still break that thing up as far as the law enforcement goes into the townships, like Paradise Township and this township and that township? No, so the Vegas Metropolitan Police Department, is a, it's a county agency. We actually work for a sheriff. Um, so everything with the exception of Boulder City, Mesquite, Henderson, and North Las Vegas, 
it's our uh, it's all of our department's jurisdiction mm -hmm. so it doesn't matter what the small townships are as long as you're in vegas or unincorporated clark county um we covered it right so, i know that. i lived in naked cities so i know all that. so you get the call what goes through your head <laughs> so i gotta be careful with this because I, you know i do have an embargo right um, he has oh, his A&E &E special coming up, and he can't reveal too many details of his investigation until the thing airs. Oh, heck, I work with those people. Don't worry, I'll cover you there. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to know. But, you know, it, it, it isn't interesting. You know, you can just imagine, um, you know, I'm a detective, or I was a detective at the time, but, you know, you're also just a person, and uh, a person old enough to be familiar with who he is. Um, so, you know, you can kind of... You can imagine what the thoughts are. I would love to ask you your opinion of the previous case, but I'm not going to do that to you. Don't do that to <laughs> no, I just said I wasn't going to do that to you, but I'd love to, but I know I can't, really. You uh, know what's a hard thing to say? But, but as a cop or a retired cop, you have to respect the system. Um, and, and sometimes respecting the system uh, means that you see people slip through loopholes that you just absolutely hate. Uh, you see the courts come up with new rules that that restrict and um, bind law enforcement and what they can and can't do. But unfortunately, it's the best system there is out there, and you got to respect the system. You bet, and 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 I, and I agree with you. Although I, I'm going to have Chris Dard in my office on uh, Monday, and I don't think he'd agree with you. <laughs> he's, he's still mad at Stephen Singular. He's, he's kind of mad. <laughs> he's still mad. And, you know, I think we can all have our personal feelings. And I got a feeling if he would, if he, if he'd set aside his personal feeling, feelings, he would come back to as imperfect as the system might be. It's the best system there is. Oh, I, I, I have a feeling that that's where he is. It's just that uh, he knows more than you and I. <laughs> and let's leave that at that. Uh, sure, sure. You can, yeah, and you know he does, and you know Marsha does. But uh, it is what it is what it is, and he was respecting the system by not going there because he very you know, well I'm, he could. I'm only, I'm only 42 years old, so I was somewhat of a young man. I was actually in the Army uh, when the first case happened, and I really didn't follow it that much. And in, in trying to give Simpson a fair shake um, on my investigation, I didn't research the case, uh, the murder case, until after the trial was over. Uh, and then I found myself, I, I read Mark Furman's book, I read Marsha Clark's book, and I read, I read uh, Chris Darden's book to try to just kind of get a, a good understanding as to what happened. And it, it was interesting. It was, um, there is it was a, fun to um, learn about it. There's a special running on CNN all weekend with extra Mark Furman tape juice. And it is mind-boggling. Mind-boggling isn't even enough. It's uh, unbelievable isn't even enough. It's his voice. It's his answers, uh, and the, each one supports the next. It's it's really uh, mind-boggling. It's 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 bizarre. Um, and you want to again go back to respecting the system. Um, yeah, but boy, you get a guy like this, and 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 I'm I'm Mr. Cop. I'm, I'm pro cop, a hundred percent. And then I see this and go, well, all right, it's down to ninety-nine percent. <laughs> <laughs> I had my own problems with the gentleman in Spokane, but we won't get into that. And in, in Vegas, when when you uh, did you actually do the perform the arrest or not? I mean, the uh, were you around for the the arrest or was it under your signature? So um, that's kind of an interesting story. I am a huge Los Angeles Dodgers fan. Um, oh, welcome to the club. What happened last night? Jeez. <laughs> uh, what happened the last two nights? That's, yes, sir. Uh, last two nights. That's correct. Yes. But I um I had a prior church arrangement um, with my youth group to go to a game the morning he ended up getting arrested. So even though I did the investigation with my partner Eddie, um, it, when it when they made a determination, to actually put cuffs on him. Somebody else did it. Uh, it's a long drawn out story. In the book, but uh, somewhat interesting. But I ended up being at Dodger Stadium when it happened. Well, that's probably more fun. That's a that's a schlep from Vegas. <laughs> yeah, but it's worth it. Come on, just a Dodger dog alone. Come on, leave the guy alone. Well, well did, I got to be with my church and my family, so that was good too. So there's a, I'll, I'll take it. Church, there's family, a scene in the there's a scene in the book where 
there's all these people where in the hotel, like where O.J.'s staying or where his apartment, whatever, and you got guys around the hall and guys hiding behind this and peeking around the corner from there. And he's you know, knocking on O.J.'s door. And he opens it up and says, you know, come on in. And then he motions to all the people hiding and says, come on in. I mean, were they kind of embarrassed that he knew they were there? So you did read the book. Ha, <laughs> ha, fooled you. The, um... I'm the only illiterate here. <laughs> That's Howard. This is Howard. I'm yeah, Burl. I'm, okay. yeah, if you go to the website, you'll see the pictures, and you'll go, oh, yeah, that is the guy. That we <laughs> yeah. no so when, when O.J. opened that door and you saw him, aside for the fact he was shorter than what you imagined, what did it feel like? What, what was going through your head? So, the, you know, the, the, the problem with uh, the embargo is, you know, I think there's details that they um, – that are best left unspoken as far as my personal interactions with him. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think that that is the tone of the documentary they're, uh, they're filming. So I think those are the areas that I specifically have to stay away from. Okay. If you weren't there, <laughs> <laughs> what if, <laughs> the guys who are hiding what do you, in what the is bushes. The are, you, are you talking about the book, Well, What If I Did It? No, I'm talking about his book. No, I know that. <laughs> yeah. What's the, na- what's the name of his book? Oh, it's the name of the room. Go ahead. That's your cue. Room 1203. It's available now? It's available now in paperback and ebook so on uh, Amazon. There we go. But I think one of the things you got to keep in mind, um, and, and I think sometimes it falls short when we talk about law enforcement or police, you, you get this vision in your mind of the stoicism that, yes, it's there, it's true, but we're also people. Um, so... You can imagine any person in that circumstance is going to have very similar uh, reactions and emotions. Because it's someone famous. You know, yeah, either famous or infamy, you know, however it's described. Um, you know, I think there, there is this automatic tendency to just assume that, you know, cops can be robotic. But we're not. We're people, too. Um, we, You know, we try to do the best we can to maintain that professionalism but you know you do have moments of levity that you just enjoy hopefully you enjoy them outside the, the public uh-huh. eye it doesn't affect people can, but can you can they, you uh, can you define the lightning rod that makes oj explode every time he takes a step out in public or in a, or in a courtroom or anywhere I know that, but I, I am. Why are we still interested 20-some-odd years later? You were a child when this thing happened. The other thing. The, uh, know, the, I, the, I, the other thing. I, I, I was watching the, um, the Ford Bronco last night. My son, who's 18 years old and a sports fan, said to Dad, how many times have you seen that? And, and I said, more times because I'm from Buffalo uh, than, than you. <laughs> but... Uh, now I don't know. I don't know if you remember this, but that chase actually happened during the NBA Finals. Yep. And they actually broke into the NBA Finals and split the screen so people could watch that chase. Got to see the chase. Yeah, they buy whole commercial time in it. Got to see the chase. Yeah, and I think sometimes, you know, though I was young, I was I was still in my twenties when it happened. Um, I think people forget how big of a deal that murder trial was. I mean, that was um, um, that consumed uh, everybody. Yeah, it was a it, you know. It's a big deal. Okay, yeah, on, this Las, on this Las Vegas case, uh-huh. a lot of people have the feeling that it was a, like a, a retributive thing. Like, well, they didn't get him on uh, on the murder charge. They're going to really hit him hard on this uh, robbery, kidnapping, when G. All he was doing was getting his own stuff back. How do you feel about that? You know, the great thing about being a detective is I get to investigate a crime, I get to come up with the facts and circumstances. I look at the uh, the various uh, statutes, uh, the elements of those statutes, and and I hand over a crime investigated who I believe to be guilty, and what the prosecution and uh, and judge do with it, law enforcement really doesn't get a say with. Um, I just present them a case that hopefully is uh, um, as solid as it can be, and. I just hope that they do what the law allows them to do with it once I give it to them. Now, a lot of people don't understand why someone can be charged with kidnapping when they haven't taken anybody anywhere. Now, I know right. why, but you do. You do, too. Will you please explain that to them? 
Sure. You know, and, and also if you hopefully give me a chance to explain the difference between robbery and burglary. Yes. So kidnapping is anytime you confine or prevent a person from moving or if you move them even an inch against their will. Um, so, you know, the moment you push somebody back in a room, um, you've kidnapped them. The, the moment you've prevented them from leaving, you've kidnapped them. Um, add a gun into the equation, and you just you just committed kidnapping with a, with a deadly weapon. Um, so, a lot of people think that it's it's this: you're going to grab a person and take them to another location. While that is also kidnapping, kidnapping in its most basic form is uh, restricting that movement or moving a person against their will for unlawful purposes. So, if now, I say nobody leaves this room, that's kidnapping. No, it is. Well, he can say it, but he's got to enforce it. Right. So, so the mere fact that you have the guns and the presence of people and pushing backwards, um, then that's where you start getting into the elements of the crime of kidnapping. So exactly what did O.J. do that did, that you charged him with kidnapping? So, and again, you, you can't just focus on one person. Um, you, you know, what one did, all did. Um, so, you know, the mere fact that... You know, if, if one gun is brought to a crime, well, everybody gets charged with that crime. Um, so everything that happens in, in the course of the commission of that crime is charged to every person um, equally. Wow, that could really be iffy. What if I don't know that Howard has a gun when he uh, comes into our radio and holds us all hostage? What if I'm room service guy and this goes down? <laughs> Yeah, here in the yeah. room. Yeah. Look, will you please sign this tab so I can go? Yeah, really. Uh, yeah. It appears, yeah, that's a rough one, right? right? It appears that the majority of the people involved walked with probation while Simpson got to 33 years. <laughs> well, his sentence, his sentence was actually a 15 to 33. Um And, you know, one of, the other, one of his other co-defendants also went to trial and lost. Uh, and was sentenced to prison as well. Yeah, he refused to testify. Move closer, Bob. He did. He well, he he refused. He didn't refuse to testify. He actually gave a statement. He just refused to take a deal. Um, now there was a, 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 a one of the bases for uh, O.J. wanting a new trial repeatedly was that uh, supposedly was not told that there were some plea deals on the table. <laughs> I'm just going by what it says here, you know, in the recap. <laughs> you know, um... I didn't... Uh, no one told me there was a plea deal. <laughs> also, as a turn, he was kind of... You, you seem to um, uh, uh, get a kick out of this case. <laughs> uh, you know, it, it's interesting because I think a lot... He, a lot of things can be said that aren't necessarily true. Um, really? And, and I, I thought that was national he, policy. <laughs> I think you guys do true crime, so you probably have a, a pretty good feel on. And for some reason, bad guys just lie. Um, you know, I think I think that's one of the hardest lessons to learn about being a police officer. Is that for some reason, everyone lies. Uh, yeah. and, and I think once you get past that hurdle, you suddenly become a pretty good cop. All right, so let's uh, look at you as a pretty good cop. I, I, uh, retired as you are, with a pension and a big life ahead of you. Um, Big what ahead of him? Life. Oh, he said wife. I, I don't know about his wife. <laughs> okay. I don't know if he's married. He's, he's got kids. He's married, has munchkin. That's wonderful. It's all good. It's, it doesn't I'm glad he's got a big wife waiting for him. <laughs> I got a couple of them. So, so, uh, oh, God, I do. <laughs> I think we've oh, we boggled man. Howard's mind today. Yeah, no, no, that's what happened. You, just, you, you took me right out of the show. Um, <laughs> and now I'm back. Um a good cop followed everything that you needed to follow when it came to this case. Guy gets 15 to 33. Okay. Gets out nine years. So what? how do you feel about that? Number one, uh, was he over-convicted? <laughs> Matt's and the producers answering questions like, like for you, Andy. A, like just a little too much uh, for uh, popping in the room that night. You know, I think I, I think the fairest response I can give to that that question is every person has to make up their own mind on that. 
That's not fair. Okay. What about that? Was, that, that, uh, that no, that comes under that comes under a nice try. <laughs> but but I'm not going to say that that was fair. Uh, <laughs> come on, you know it wasn't fair as well as I do. You know what my question was. You know what my question was. You know what know your exactly answer what is. You, you won't answer my question. <laughs> of course he won't. He's diplomatic. No, uh. and forget the A and E thing. I mean, I mean, <laughs> it's this is about you and I having a conversation on a Saturday afternoon with a couple of my friends here, and and you got a great book, from what I understand, from Burrell, and uh, people should read it. But as you're listening to us on the radio, um, damn, I'd like to really know what you think. <laughs> well, you know. After a documentary airs, you could probably really get, you know, what I was going to be on the phone to A&E here in about 30 seconds. Honest to God. You know, one of the things that, that I think um, a lot of times people, not necessarily you gentlemen, but people don't understand is that there's always a range of punishments given for uh, any given crime. You know, uh, if a certain category of felony is a one to five, I mean, the reason why it is a one to five is for those mitigating circumstances, those uh, uh, those parts of the crime that that are, go beyond, uh, you know, a, a very tangible explanation that you know can they, qualify. They, they set so, him up. They sent him up. <laughs> they put him in jail for the other crime. Well, you know, the, that may be one of the, the mitigating circumstances is instead of coming in and saying, well, the mitigating circumstance is that he uh, has this mental disorder and likes to keep things. Well, <laughs> and, they're his things. And the other mitigating circumstances, circumstances say, Your Honor, he's an asshole, and we want to keep him there's locked up as that. long well, as possible. Well, you know, no, that's there's, true there's as well. On the, there's, there's assholes on the police department. There's assholes in this room. Hey, in fact, speak I'll, for yourself. I'll, I am yeah, speaking speak for, for yourself, myself. Howard. I am speaking for myself. So one of the things that you always have is this, is this goal as, as a cop to, to just take the simplicity of what you have in front of us. And sometimes it's really hard to not overcomplicate things. You know, um, I go back to that wanting to explain the difference between a robbery and a burglary. Please do. You know, that, bur that burglary is a crime of intent. It's the crime that you entered a building with the intent to commit a crime. Sometimes we overcomplicate that. We make it more than what it is, you know. Um, we, we don't need to do that. We just need to look at the simple elements of a crime and apply those elements. And, and I think in, in a circumstance like, um, you know, the crime that, that I wrote the book about, you just got to look at the elements of the crime, um, you know, what specifically happened, and that's why it was charged the way it was charged. Okay, can you it, not it, talk it, about that name of the crime? The, when you, you say mean the, 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 the crime? No, I wrote no, no, the, the kidnapping, the robbery, the all of those. The crime I wrote the book look about. At the elements. The crime I oh, wrote I'm the sorry. book about. Yeah. You can do better than that. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, the, I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is you just look at the elements of what actually happened and then apply the crimes as they match up with the elements. When does so, this, know, when, when this damn A&E special air? <laughs> you don't call it the damn A&E special, Howard. Uh, you you call, call it the glorious A&E special. The stuff I call television shows. Well, when, when does the glorious A&E special air? You know, I think on their media release they put out, it's uh, sometime right around October 1st is what I think the, uh, the press release says. So so can you come back after that airs? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Can you come no, back? No, I would love to. Okay. I can, yeah, absolutely. Great. And, and will, will things be a little bit more open for you then? And I'm, I'm not pushing you around, please. No, for sure. The, uh, the, the, the embargo is part of until the uh, show airs. I hope they gave you a nice chunk of change. Yeah, they pay you well for this? There's <laughs> <laughs> another laugh. S send him my number, would you? Yeah, you got to have Howard negotiate for you. Yeah. Yeah, I used to do those things for free till Howard said, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Not for free anymore. Not for free anymore. Yeah, that's right. But I still owe him commission. It's a fine. It's a fine. <laughs> no, it's it's fine. It's fine. Oh, I thought you said it's a fine, not a commission. No, that was a Freudian slip. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for for me, it just provides a lot of opportunity. So, um, I do. When you say opportunity, all, all good opportunity. What do you? Well, what's your? What do you see the opportunity for yourself now as a forty-two-year-old retired cop? 
<laughs> well, you, you, you kind of alluded to it beforehand. You know, I'm a pastor now up in, in Oregon, and, and we moved to a small town. So, you know, anything I can do to bring attention to the ministry, anything I can do to just get people to at least look at what we're doing here, it's a good thing. Um, and and if, if being involved in the O.J. Simpson case is the vessel which provides that uh, um, people coming in, yeah. it's, it's a good thing. What small town in Oregon are you in? I'm in Mill City, Oregon. Now, where the heck uh, is that? So, if, you, if you're familiar with Salem is, yeah. about uh, 25 miles east up at the foothills of the Cascades. Mm. Mm. See, I'm from Walla Walla, Washington, which is by Milton Freewater, Oregon. That's from, right. So I'm from Buffalo, which is yeah. nowhere near so, Yeah, it's a long walk. I'm from Encino. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful, Mark. Buffalo. Uh, so were you there when O.J. Simpson played football? The, the answer is I, I left Buffalo the year before he played and uh, moved to uh, Canada for the better part of the 70s. And now, when he was uh, play, he saved a friend of mine's life when he was younger. You know that? Who? Oh, O.J. Jew, did, yeah. The Jews? Yeah. Uh, uh, look. From what I understand from the people in Buffalo, and, th and then and I'm speaking from the people of Buffalo who knew him well, and then uh, later became very, very good friends of mine in the 80s, um, uh, nothing but great things to say about this guy. I mean, incredible things to say about him, about who he was, what he was, what he did for the community, what he did for the team, what he did for the town. Um, and uh, and <laughs> then he killed his wife. So <laughs> no, no, no. the... Um, <laughs> Jesus... You know, he says great things about himself, too. Yeah, well. He didn't then, by the way. Oh, he was humble he, then. It wasn't quite like that then. When he got to Los Angeles, when he got to NBC, when he got to the uh, the Naked Gun movies, uh, he started to believe his own press. Yeah, and that's dangerous because I make up so much of my own press and then try to convince myself it's true. that. Uh... Well, you are imaginary. Yes, and I'm animated. Someone once thought I was a cartoon. I'm so animated. That too. Yep. So we can't talk about the uh, the, the uh, crime. How about uh, your time in the military police? What was Bosnia like? Who the hell wants to hear that? <laughs> well, I do. What are going to talk about? I want to know about Bosnia. That's not a nice area. Got the guy on from the OJ case, and you're going to Bosnia. <laughs> you're going to Bosnia any any time. Hey, I got people listening who are very familiar with Bosnia. Well, so do I. But uh, we also have the guy from the OJ Las Vegas case right here with us now. I got he a question for you. He, he wrote a this, this is a, uh, a great book. It's got a picture of, of uh, gloved, uh, gloved hands with handcuffs on it on the cover. And uh, <laughs> I thought it was clever. We know he says, you know, you, you can't, uh, well, you got, you got my shit, you're going to steal it. Uh, was it or was it not his stuff? It was not. Um, that makes a know, difference. <laughs> then why yesterday? How was he uh, yapping his trap yesterday at the hearing to about his property? Yeah, I was wondering why that wasn't picked up on by more people. Um, the the interesting thing is, over over the course of the last since 2007, you know, I'm, I'm I don't really talk about the case that much to people, but if it gets brought up that I was the detective who put him in prison. Somebody will inevitably give me the response, didn't he steal his own stuff back? And that's one of those responses that really does make me want to pull my hair out. Because, you know, it's just like I think the media, now, if they say it enough, it becomes true in people's minds. Um, and that's one of those frustrating things. Hey, hang on to that thought. We're going to uh, take a 60-second break on Outlaw Radio. Yeah, i got to get my stuff back from the other room. I'll be right back. This would be True Crime Uncensored. OutlawRadioGuy.com.
It's 3 a.m. You got your pal Howard Lapidus nestled up to the bar. I got a cigar in one hand, a drink in the other. I'm not smoking, I'm not drinking, but just let me interrupt for a second because if you own a cell phone, and I know you do, or you ride a plastic pony in front of Albertsons, or you're really cool and you go to Whole Foods because you're really cool. You're not tied to your computer anymore. No, you're not. It's real simple. You can listen to Outlaw Radio whenever the heck you want. You can. It's real simple. All you have to do is grab an Outlaw Radio app from our friends at RadioLoyalty.com. The smoking, drinking, and interrupting 24-hour party that follows you wherever you may be. Your cell phone or your Apple device is now the easiest way to stay connected with your friends at Outlaw Radio. You know us, the uh, demons of decadence. And change the way you listen to radio seven days a week. It's now available free, free at RadioLoyalty.com. Just punch in Outlaw Radio. Back to True Crime Uncensored with Burl Bear and Howard Lapidus featuring Mark C.G. Boyer. Yeah, great guy. You know, quick question. Um, That's Howard Lapidus. Thank you. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Tell them who we're talking to. We're talking to Andy Caldwell. We're talking to Andy uh, Caldwell. Author of the brilliant new book. Which is called Room 1203 for crying out. Did I get that right, Andy? That's right, yeah. Thank Room 1203. Thank you. So, so uh, did you have much contact with uh, our, our, our pal? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I interviewed him. I, uh, yeah, um, we had more more contact than I, I, I would say I do with normal um, suspects that I investigate, investigated crime with. So the obvious question is why is that? Celebrity, that's it. Uh, because the reality is, is any any case uh, that's going to get media scrutiny has to be investigated at a level that you wish you could investigate every crime at. You wish you could dedicate the amount of time to every crime that comes in, the amount of time that was dedicated to the O.J. Simpson case, but you can't. Um, that's sir, that's a pragmatic a, application. That's a, fa- a fair and very interesting answer. Yeah, because just yeah. think, if if you pretended that every case you did was going to have that kind of scrutiny, things might be different in Las Vegas. Well, they're a lot different <laughs> everywhere. Yeah. Um, now, you, you're, you say you're in Mills Falls, is that right? Uh, Mill City. Oh, it's close enough. Uh, the uh, And, and you're, 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 you're a pastor, is that correct? I am a pastor. So yesterday, um, our friend was uh, testifying, and he talked about his business with the ministry while he was doing his nine years. Did you find him in any way, from your professional opinion, and I'm talking about your pastoral professional opinion, from your professional opinion, is there anything pastoral about this guy? Judge not, lest you be judged. (laughs) um, It's an interesting thing, because one of the important aspects of Christianity is, um, you know, an acknowledgement and accountability of of our trespasses, our transgressions. Not that we hold those against each other, um, but, you know, our our professions in our faith as as Christians, as followers of Christ, should be met with um, a general observance of, of us doing what we actually say we believe. Um, so I think that everybody who professes to be a Christian should be given the, or afforded the opportunity to, um, for it to be true, that, that, you know, we'll actually know them by their fruits, and, and we should embrace that. I understand what you're saying and learn something there. Thank you, and, and agree with you. But now this guy's running around saying, not only is he a Christian, but he was like King Christian while he was in King there. Christian? Isn't that a rock album from 72? That was King Crimson. Oh, I always get those confused. So, unfortunately, because I don't know what happened in prison, I just don't know. Um, you know, I would love to see the fruits of that pan out. Um, oh, we, we, out. we would hope that he's telling the truth, and he fixed a lot of people and did that. And, and brought them faith, and they are uh, living a, a little better life than, uh, you know, the grub and... Uh, <laughs> well, I you think know. you alluded to something a little while ago that I think is kind of comes back to the question you're asking. Um, you know, if, if, you, if you read the book, and it sounds like you have, you'll recognize that the story was very inconsistent with the actual facts. Um, so, you know, that, that's a personal struggle of mine. 
Um, because, you know, I, I want to be honest as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. If I profess to be a Christian, then, then I should be honest in my actions. Um, so, you know, that's a little frustrating. That's not uncommon, however, is it? Well, <laughs> unfortunately, no, it's, it's not uncommon. Um, you know, we're, I think in, in our fallen humanity, we, we just do things that... Um, it just kind of is reflective of our, of our depraved condition, I think. Yeah, people what's, tend to operate what they think is in their best interest when it's really not in their best interest. What, what, what's stronger, your faith in Christianity or the embargo with A&E? <laughs> <laughs> my, my faith in Christ. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. So we'll stay with that. All right, awesome. <laughs> so as a Christian, what do you think of this guy? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, one of the things as a Christian, and, and you know, I can... We can joke about it lightly, but I'm, I'm called to love, not, you know, I'm not called to anger, uh, but I am also called to make sure that, you know, there's a system of accountability in place that, um, that you know, if, if me or another Christian makes a mistake, we should be able to point that out and hopefully correct, you know, get people on the right track. And I guess that'll come back to the frustration that maybe a, le a level of dishonesty that was displayed at the parole hearing. Specifically? My own stuff. Yeah, the my own stuff business. How did the how did the uh, the commissioners let that let them get away with saying that? What that maybe, maybe it's a um, it's a question for them, obviously, but, but I'm yeah. asking your I mean, I'm kind of asking your opinion. It's a rhetorical question. You can just answer by saying, This is America, we have freedom of speech. We can lie if we want to. <laughs> yeah, except uh, you know, they did Super Bowl numbers yesterday. Come on. Hey, were they still an ad time in that? Well, around it. I don't know if it's true, but the number I heard was um, 14 million watched it live. Yeah, it was more than that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. That's 14 million sets. Well, so they also, I found out something interesting about the ratings, is they also count the prisons. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. I found this well, out. Because it's because it's a captive audience. They're watching. Yeah. How do you not count it? I mean, yes, I mean, but you're kind of skewing the demographics. I mean, you, you know, know, you got men 18 to 24 with a chance of doing 5 to 20. Well, maybe that just means more people will buy my book. Yeah, I hope so. Wow. That, hey, was, that, that was a pro transition right that. there. I love that transition. That was great. Congratulations. <laughs> you know, that was almost like a backdoor brag, right? Yeah. Third party sell, though, is better. Name, name of the book is uh, Room uh, 1203. It's, uh, is it 1203 or 2103? It's 1203. 1203. Room 1203. 1203. It's 1203. And to Yuma. Call the subtitle, Though Jay Simpson's Las Vegas Conviction. There you are. By the guy that did what? By the guy who actually investigated the crime. There you go. There you go. That's why he's on the show today. So you're going to, and he'll be on the show when the emergency. October. Again, to say all the things you can't say today. You betcha. And have the president of A&E on. You know him. You have him Hey, that's uh, that's a locks, please. Um, <laughs> and I say that uh, respectfully. Sally? With uh, two shows over there. Um, what are your two shows over there? One they just kicked back, and the other one, we'll see what they do with it. We'll find out. We'll find out. But uh, if, if I really wanted to brag, I could say I have shows every place, but they're not on the air. Oh, that doesn't count. That's correct. That's, that's right. not bragging. Yeah. That's, I ain't bragging. Not bragging and just praising potentialities. Yeah. That's the way we phrase it in showbiz. Hey, look, it keeps me off the street, and it beats working. Yeah. Show business. So are you enjoying yourself a lot more in the hell, uh, in lovely... Uh, Mill City. <laughs> Mill City. Wait till winter comes. You'll be really enthusiastic. <laughs> well, you know, I retired back in March, uh, so I spent a little bit of the rainy season here, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful place. Um, so I'm thankful for the opportunity, and you know, I just I hope that I hope I can do right by the community and by the church. I think you will. You seem to have the right attitude. Well, most and if they don't, you can pull a gun on them. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> having well, said, then I might go to prison for kidnapping. Yeah, I guess right. Having said, stay all, in the pews. Don't leave the church. Uh oh, <laughs> you're under arrest. Having said all that, Andy, would you ever go back and be a cop? You know, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, sometimes you, you have people who take this. Um, the stance that, that, you know, Christians shouldn't be involved in law enforcement, but... Well, I, I well, hey, oh, back up. Let's back that one up. Why is that? 
Well, that's, I guess that's what I'm getting at. You'll have some people that will take a very pacifist type role, um, and I don't take that role. I think that um, it, it's good to have Christians in, uh, in all aspects of, of the world. Um, you, you know, I think a man named Francis Chan, he says it best. He talks about how, how uh, Christians are kind of like manure. When they gather in one place, they stink, but when they spread out, they help everyone grow. That's so a good that, statement. That's a, that is a good that? statement. And, he said, and, and by the way, he, he probably doesn't know this, but he said that to three Jews just now. <laughs> oh, oh that's, well, good. Very good. But it, I think there's some truth to that. I think there is, you know, we should be involved in every aspect of, of uh, this world because we should be uh, reflecting our faith. So, yeah, right, right. Um, I agree with you. Jews would agree with you on that one. Because if you're going to be the salt of the earth, you don't want to be a salt lick. You know, too much salt in one place. You go, ooh. Burl? <laughs> yes. I just heard your Uber is outside. <laughs> you trying to get rid of me already? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Listen to him. He's my oh, manager, too. That we, we kid, we smoke, we drink, we interrupt. Wait till you hear the next show. And then you'll really have apoplexy. In, in all seriousness, Andy, stay with us for the next show if you want to have a good time. And I know you're a Christian. <laughs> but set that aside, Bobby. Set that aside. That's right. Um, Outlaw Radio, where we smoke, we drink, we interrupt is next. I'll tell you something. This is a little yeah. bit off topic, Andy, but you'll probably get a kick out of this. One night on the Matt Allen's Outlaw Radio show, which, of course, comes on right, on right after bars, and they, will, they stay on doing the show until either they all pass out or play poker or go to bed or something, because that is how it's, how it's done. Uh, but it was about, oh, maybe 2 o'clock in the morning, and... Uh, was Howard and I and a couple other guys. Just happened to be a whole bunch of Jewish guys. And for fun, we launched into an anti-Semitic tirade for about a half hour. We did every stereotype bad thing you could say about Jews with our tongue so far in our cheek it was coming out and rubbing against the wall. Yeah, for instance, Andy, you know, Hitler, always funny. <laughs> yeah, Hitler's always funny. Anyway, so some poor fellow, a uh, nice Jewish guy was told, you ought to listen to Outlaw Radio. It's really entertaining. <laughs> and he turns it on, and here's this entire half hour of people ranting all this horrible stuff, and he took it all seriously and wrote this impassioned letter to our producer and the host of the show, Matt Allen, going, how could you have that horrible stuff on your show? We were kidding. But, you know, there, were, there was a guy I grew up in Southern California. Because nobody likes and, Jews. <laughs> what were you saying, Andy? You know, I grew up in Southern California, and there was a guy on the radio, and I don't remember his name, but he used to do that. He would come on, and for three hours he would say some of the most inflammatory things. And um, he was funny to listen to because he would actually get callers that would call in, and they would believe that he was um, truly taking the stance he was taking. Could be talking he about wasn't. Bill, he was Bill Balance. Yeah. 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 Who was it? Could be Bill Balance. Could have been. Uh, well, it, could, it wasn't Michael Jackson. No, it was the other guy. <laughs> well Norm done. somebody or how? Uh, Who? <laughs> I don't know. But I know. Uh, well, yeah, I know. whatever. Yeah. Uh, the, the, we but can, people we, do get so we worked understand up. Understand that that could happen in our profession. Yeah, you're teasing, sure, and sure. they go, "Oh my God, how can they say that?" You know. <laughs> so we're, we're being satirical. We're being satirical. Oh, actually, at, at your age, it could have been Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. You never know. Yep. There was a guy, of course, we're not talking about in the old days, when, uh, but back when I was about 16 on KTEL and Walla Walla, ABC carried a guy who every week would talk about the legalistic, Judaistic followers of Moses. He'd rant and rave for about a half hour. I'd go, what are we playing this for? And he wasn't kidding. That was on ABC. Who, who, who was that? Dude? Some crackpot. You mind if I interject? Wait, I don't understand the Rush Limbaugh comment. Uh, because, only because of his age. Uh, yeah, yeah, but who? Who you know, are you speaking of? The the man that wrote in? No, 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 no. no. Andy was listening to a guy that would uh, rant and rave about different things and stay to his, stay to his beliefs. You know, uh, but he, but he wasn't. I'm not saying a bad thing about Rush at all. But he was. I, I don't listen to Rush. But it wasn't anti-Semitic. No, no, oh, no, 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 no. Well, that's a shame. Yeah, it should have been. <laughs> you know, well, that's because because um, you're the master I, of doing the anti-Semitic stuff. I was talked about on the Rush Limbaugh show one I don't time. think you should uh, yeah. speak to our guests that way, Howard, but that, <laughs> that's just my, my opinion. He was talking about you, Matt. So, Andy, you were a guest. Which sort Rush. of makes no sense. In order for it to be funny, there has to be some truth behind it. Yes. So you were on uh, Rush's show, Andy? No, he talked about me. There, about uh, five years or ten years ago, um, there was a, a little organization that did um, Farm to Fork where they had a... Um, you'd have your farm animals, you'd raise them, you'd slaughter them, you'd raise your own, uh, all the uh, all the garnishments. You you did everything there at the farm, and then people would come out and, um, come out and die, and it's somewhat expensive. 
and uh, they had complaints called in, and uh, the health department showed up to break it up one night, and the, the owners of the house said, nope, you can't come on our property. And I ended up being the officer who had come out and handled that. And, you know, as far as I was concerned, everything looked good, so... I, uh, I so told you. Ate, you took some and ate it when you got home. <laughs> I love the concept of that, though. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Well, you know, I told the health department, unless they had the search warrant, they had to leave. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's telling them. Uh, that's a good cop. And ultimately, they left, and, you know, the people were able to enjoy their dinner. Uh, the media was called out, and somehow Russ Limbaugh got a hold of that. And he didn't drop my name, but uh, he, he talked about it pretty openly. So. Nice. Uh, yeah, I had my little, my little moment of fame there. That without well, you're a lot more famous now that you've been on this show, unable to talk about the, the case. <laughs> I appreciate that fame. Uh, well, yeah, you, you should. Plus, you've got a great publisher, and uh, maybe your book and uh, my latest uh, Betrayal in Blue, which is also about cops. Could it could, uh, could be, dovetail somehow? Yeah, they'll, they'll sell them as a package. Minutes, you know, sell them as a package. That, that's the one about the cannibal cop. Put them all three together. A three pack. <laughs> yeah, to that. Uh, well, I think he, I think they are running some sort of promotions on my book. I don't know. Um, I don't know what they are though. Well, I, this we, is they, one of them. <laughs> why, 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 why this? Uh, Burl, tell everybody the name of his book, where they can get it one more time. Uh, they I got to look it up. They can find out. Room two twenty two. No, that's the yeah, TV that's, show. Uh, God, you're a moron. <laughs> like, man, uh, was I? I was such a little kid when that was on. But I remember liking it. Everybody liked it. Uh, yeah. Um, Room. Room uh, 1203. Uh, with Room 1203. Great subtitle. You can get it. Um, O.J. Simpson's Las Vegas. It's conviction. Thank conviction. you. Uh, Written by, by the detective who actually did the investigation. Right the same Andy. detective you'll see on the A&E special coming up in October. Just about the time we have him back on. Where he can actually talk about it. Yeah, Andy, you are coming back on. You're coming back, no, Andy. For sure. All right, th for thanks. Sure. I'll, I'll come back. Please do. Thanks That's Andy. Uh, the book is Room 1203. Buy it, read it, believe it. You get it in paperback, or you can get an e-book from Wild Blue Press. Hey, Burl. Yeah. What the heck is next? Magic Man Allen of the Demons of Decadence. Frank J. Hagen is back, and he's black. He's got a plan to stick it to the man, for real. On OutlawRadioLive.com.